Youth was served as the Jazz zoned out the Celtics in an incredible win on Saturday. The Sacramento Kings, they might be for real. We're doing it next on Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 20th of March. The Jazz get brilliant performances from the youngsters, Walker Kessler, Ochai Abaji, and Taylor Horton Tucker, who should be included in that conversation, beat the Boston Celtics. We'll look at that. The Jazz went to a zone, and Will Hardy might have had his best game of the year. The Sacramento Kings are breaking half-court offense in the NBA doing it differently and might be legit. We'll break them down and also... Why the West leaves the door open for them to be legit. Then it is a Trends Monday and a lottery to be had. It's all today on Locked on Jazz. I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. And this is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thank you so much for Joining us and being making Locked on Jazz your first listen, being a part of the group, you can do it by subscribing or following on any podcasting app on YouTube. Hit that little bell and join in as well. Thanks so much. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks. The first time users receive a hundred percent instant deposit match up to a hundred dollars with the promo code Locked On. That's PrizePicks.com. Promo code Locked On. Uh, congratulations to the Lady U- Women's Basketball, I don't think they're called Lady Utes anymore, Women's Basketball Team at the University of Utah, advanced to the Sweet 16 for third time in program history. Uh, great crowd this weekend, it was super fun to be there, Ron and I went yesterday, and went the day before, or Friday with my dad, uh, so that was great, uh, nice to see, um, too bad Stanford lost last night, um, and the University of uh, Utah Valley University still alive in the NIT, Mark Madsen Long-time former Stanford player, long-time Laker assistant coach, long-time NBA guy leading that crew over at UVU. So uh, best of luck to them. I think they play Thursday if you're looking for some hoops uh, to attend. You just keep, we got Monday, Wednesday, Friday, so you can you can uh, hit it up on Thursday. All right, we've got the Kings tonight, and I do want to talk about them a lot. But we're going to start this thing about that incredible win on Saturday. That was so fun. Without Jordan Clarkson, uh, against a, a good Celtic team who was missing... You know, a lot of pieces, Robert Williams, Al Horford, and Marcus Smart. Uh, so the Jazz, you know, didn't have to deal with the full gauntlet of what is the one team in the league that has the top five offense and a top five defense. But regardless, we, we've talked about this a tremendous amount, which is important games and the value of important games. And, and what the value of important games was the other night is the amount of plays that Ochai Abaji, Walker Kessler, Taylor Horton Tucker, and then, of course, Lowry Marketing are making. And you've just got to remember the age that we're talking about here. So I think we forget that Taylor Horton Tucker is actually younger than Ochai Abaji. So Lowry's 25. He turns 26 in in 65 days or so. Ochai is 22. He turns 23 in about 30 days. Taylor's 22. He's got another 200 days. And Walker's 21 with about another 100 days. So, you've got Ochai at 22, Taylor at 22, and Walker at 21. 
The Jazz youth is being served right now. They are playing more minutes from rookies. They are playing more minutes, scoring more points from rookies. Um, our TV crew's done a great job, Scott Rogers, of kind of documenting this and breaking it out. You see the graphic each and every night uh, that you're watching Thurl and Holly and uh, Bowler uh, on those broadcasts. And they, it's it's impressive to see where the Jazz are. Uh, and what, you know, what you're getting is just these golden opportunities for these guys to, to learn, understand, and play um, the uh, these major, major moments. Um, the, you know, um, to, to learn. And we saw it the other night on the late Taylor Horton comes across a double stagger uh, left to right. Makes his way to the rim, lays it up and in. That's the game-winning basket. Walker Kessler makes a brilliant final play. So does Kelly Olenek on that last play. Um, so does so does Lowry. Like, a lot of guys made really, really good decisions on that final inbound. And Will Hardy's talked about a lot. Those are just really, really hard. You cannot simulate that in any way possible in any setting other than doing that. And that's what's so cool about what the Jazz are doing right now, is these guys are getting the opportunity to have these moments, make these plays. You know, if you look at Taylor Horton Tucker, he's basically out of the rotation, not playing. And now from February through March, since that he's now averaging 15 points a game, six assists, playing 28 minutes. And most importantly, suddenly is shooting 35% from three instead of 26% from three. Like if he's a 35% three-point shooter, that's legit. Those are, that's a legit successful NBA player who's a viable option on this roster for the Jazz moving forward. That's pretty That's pretty awesome. Um, so you're seeing the, these opportunities, these moments come through. And they're, you know, the TV crew note I was telling is they're playing, they're getting 38 points per games by rookies since March 1st. They're getting 87 minutes by rookies since March 1st. And that doesn't count Damian Jones, Juan Toscana, Anderson, Taylor Horton Tucker, who's certainly not a rookie. Um, they're getting, they've they've got the second most of rookie starts in the month of March. And you're getting important basketball games, important minutes, and great experience. Ochai Abaji is evolving as well. Like he took two massively huge, tough look threes. And Will Hardy's point after the game was, I was just so ecstatic he took them. Like the, the fact that he was willing to take those shots and his numbers are not as good, right? His his offensive numbers have slipped a little bit be, since the trade deadline because we're asking more out of him. Like he's 42% from the field. He's back up to 35% from three. But it's, you know, it's because suddenly instead of every single one of those threes being a catch and shoot in the corner where he's just kind of running down the court and staying in the corner. Like they're, they're, they want him to go to work now, like go make plays in turn, make mistakes. And that's what he said. He's taken double figure shots in seven straight games. He'd done it twice before in his NBA career. He's now taking double figure shots in nine of his last 11 games, having not taken double figure shots. The player development by the jazz this year the incremental drip, 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 drip. I mean, not you've heard me preach a ton about the Oreo cookie. Like, don't overdip the Oreo cookie. That the Jazz are doing this beautifully this year. Absolutely beautifully. I mean, Ochai's G League 
in and out of the rotation. We hit the 41st game of the year. Suddenly, Will already announces he's going to play more. He plays to not make mistakes. He plays to get some opportunities. And then all of a sudden, February 15th comes around after the All-Star break, really February 23rd, and it's like, all right, let's go. Like, go, play. And it's six, seven, eight, nine threes a game he's taking. He hasn't taken nine yet. Yeah, he took nine once. And, you know, he hadn't gone to the free throw. I was, I was beginning to get concerned. He had gone to the free throw line, I think, two times in a span of like 500 minutes. He's now going to the free throw line two or three times a game. So we're seeing, and Talon, you know, obviously the turnovers and some of those mistakes are real. Had one late. He's trying to figure it out. It's great. And then Walker was flat dominant in that game. Walker Kessler had as good a game as I've seen him have all season long. He was flat dominant on the offensive glass, the Jazz survived this game because the offensive glass. His, we are seeing the scouting report is out. We are seeing guys begin to curl out of the rim. Boston does not take a lot of shots at the rim. Anyway, that was a storyline we had on the broadcast coming in. Was you know how is this going to play out with the various um, differences and the fact that Boston doesn't doesn't take a lot of rim shots and then the Jazz haven't been denying it. Then when they did get to the rim in that game, I believe they were 6 of 16 at the rim the other night. 6 of... Check that. That's either 6 of 15 or 8 of 15, but these aren't that good. It's a pretty small little... um, But 15 shots at the rim is nothing. And so Walker was pure brilliance. Pure brilliance on Saturday. Uh, And if you want... I'm pulling up the defensive numbers... On it, as we start, you know, to get play this game with Walker, they were eight of eighteen when Walker was the closest defender. He defended eighteen shots, four of nine of them is threes, which gets to the zone. And this is where Will Hardy, talking about another young development, might have had his best game of the year. Jason Tatum's season low shot taken was fifteen in any game all season long, and Jason Tatum in this game. Got 12 shots, went 4 of 12, 8 of them threes, had not been taking his off-the-bounce three well. And the Jazz doubled him, trapped him, zoned him, played the zone and didn't somehow... Early were doubling him every time he touched the ball to get it out of his hands. Then when they went to the zone, they still stayed in enough of a a shade or, or a blitz at times to make sure he didn't get going. He never got the rhythm. He never got going in that game. And the Jazz... And Tatum only takes 12 shots, taking it out of the hands of their best player. And the Jazz went to a zone defense, which they had not played. I, I can't find the last time they played it. They've played it less than going in. They had played the zone about 130 possessions the entire season. Of the entire season, Jazz had played zone for about 130 possessions. They rolled it out for 28 possessions. Seven in the second quarter, 10 in the third quarter, and 11 in the fourth quarter. And while the Celtics were killing the Jazz in the half court at 1.2 points per possession against the man, the zone held them to one point per possession, and the Celtics only scored on 12 of 28 possessions when the Jazz were in the zone defense. And that zone defense was put in the day before in practice. According to Taylor Horton Tucker, Will Hardy said in the press conference that it was his senior counsel of Lowry Markin and Kelly Olenek Kind of led to a conversation. Maybe we should try to put in some zone. The Jazz had been talking about 
getting some practice time at home to implement the zone. And this, I think, we'll see zone for the rest of the year as trying to figure something out. And I think zone might be the wave of the future in the NBA defensively because teams like the Sacramento Kings are destroying what we know of the NBA in the half court. And we're talking about it next as we continue on Locked on Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Murdoch Chevy, located at Woods Cross, also in Logan and uh, right off the freeway in Woods Cross. The Chevy lineup of trucks, so fantastic. The Colorado, the smaller, zippier truck, uh, making all the kind of, getting the utility truck, shall we call it. I'll bet you, I'll bet you the, the PR person for the Chevy doesn't love that. Um, the utility truck, but it is. It's kind of that truck everyone wants to have that zips. It's the gets everything. And then there's the Silverado. That's the King Poobah. That's the that's the that's the beauty. That's the Silverado 1500 uh, that has everything you could ever imagine. Uh, beautifully made. There's the 2500 uh, HD. There's the there, there's the 3500 HD as well. Check it out. The multiple models of the Silverado. It's like just the most beautiful, luxurious. Fabulous, powerful truck you can get. Plus the SUV lineups of trucks of cars, absolutely fa- fabulous. The Suburban and the Tahoe are the well-known Chevys for you, but that tracks can get it done with the Equinox and then the Blazer and the Trailblazer. It's a great lineup of SUVs over at Murdoch Chevy, located in Woods Cross, also located in Logan. Today's show is also brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks, great way to get into the action, great way to have some fun. For you with prize picks uh, and enjoy all the uh, little extra activity that you can get from prize picks as the games go on. 100% deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKED ON. All there for you as well. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy for you. You pick two to six players. If they go on to score more or less than the prize picks projections, you can win up to 25% of your money. No competing against other people. It's just you versus projections available. Every sport imaginable, including college basketball. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. Safe and fast and easy withdrawal. So first-time users receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKEDON. If you deposit $100, prize picks will give you $100. You deposit $50, prize picks give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code LOCKEDON and sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jazz our first, your first listen of the day. We are free and available for you on all podcasting apps. And for your second listen today, Locked On Sports Today. Recap the weekend of March Madness and everything else in 22 minutes with Peter Bukowski. It's your quick rundown of everything sports. All right, so the Jazz went to this zone defense. And it was really brilliant. And I think, you know, Eric Spolster and the Heat are playing 22% of their possessions in zone. The Blazers are playing 10% of their possessions in zone. They're terrible defensively. Um, and we're, and, and, and we're, I think we're going to begin to see some more zone. Here's why. Kind of debating how I'm getting into this. So this is a bigger conversation, but let me just put this in perspective. The Sacramento Kings have the second best half-court offense of any team in the history of the NBA. They and Dallas are tied at 104.5 points per possession in the half-court. 104.5. The Golden State Warriors of 2015-16, when they like were breaking the game, when everyone was like 
you can't, you know, you couldn't be better than the Warriors, right? Like, they broke the game. They got, they were the best team in the league offensively in the half court, and they were 100.2. 100.2 was their half court offense. The Kings are at a 104.5 right now. So in a span of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven seasons, our half-court offenses are up 0.4 points per 100 possessions. Or excuse me, four points per 100 possessions. The best. The best are. However, the average half-court offense, and this is why the, War- the Warriors had a 100 offensive rating when the league was at 89.8. There's a lot of numbers here. At 89.8. The league is now at 98.2. So the league's half-court offense in seven seasons has gotten 10 points per 100 possessions better, about 15 percentage points better in the span of seven seasons on just an incredible upward trajectory. If you go back to the Warriors' 18-19 season, we were at 94.7. We're now at 98.2 is the average. And trending up. So from like 10 years ago, a half-court possession was 0.88 points per possession. 0.88. It's now 0.98. That's an incredible difference. So overall, league offense is just way up. Which means you've got to start doing something different, which is why I think the zone becomes a play. Break rhythm. Change pace of game. Do what you can the two defenses we basically have in the league right now is this, one of them is just kind of whatever standard defense and the other is this double-team superstars and the double-team superstars is not working. There's too many good shooters, too many ball movers on the floor. It just doesn't work. It's it, We did it as well against Jason Tatum as anyone's done. That's, that's the best I've seen work and then against Miami, we did some interesting things where we doubled but the player who was already there was the one that exited which was really different. The best offense in the history of the game was the 2021 Brooklyn Nets, who are 104.9. The Kings and the Mavericks are at 104.5 right now. Which gets to the question of whether the Kings are legit. And I think the Kings are a legitimate NBA Finals team for a bunch of different reasons. One, they're no longer the transition team that we used to think of them as. They're the number one half-court offense in the NBA. As the game slows down in the playoffs, they should be fine. Their half-court defense is horrendous, which is why they're not fine. But let's just talk about the reasons why they're fine. Why the Kings have a, should actually you know, get off the moniker that they're the Sacramento Kings and start concerning. If you look at the Memphis Grizzlies the last few years, There have been some unique qualities to the Grizzlies that make them a regular season team that are highly suspect to being a good playoff team. So the Grizzlies dominate the offensive glass. I mean, when they have Steven Adams, this is what they don't have right now, and it's part of the reason they've fallen apart. They dominate the offensive glass. That's not usually something that plays into in the playoffs. The Grizzlies dominate live ball turnovers. They're, those are the two areas, and the Grizzlies dominate in transition. So they're incredible at getting extra possessions in the offensive glass. 
They force a ton of turnovers, and they get out and run at a rate that's unequaled by anybody else. Those three items, to me, and the Grizzlies, none of those are sustainable in the playoffs. Other teams are going to rebound harder. They're going to be prepared for it. They're going to get used to it over a seven-game series. Teams are These are better teams. They're not going to turn it over at that rate. And they're going... And, and they're going to force you to play half-court. And the Grizzlies are the 22nd-ranked half-court offense in the NBA. So to me, when I analyze the Grizzlies, I see a lot of things that make me really nervous. When I look at the Sacramento Kings, I don't see those things on the offensive side. They have the third-highest free-throw rate in the game. That usually settles a little bit. They're not a big offensive rebounding team. They don't turn it over. They shoot it great. They're the second best shooting team in the league. They're the number one offensive team in the league. Their offensive rating is a 119.2. They're averaging close to 1.2 points per possession. Let's go to the great warrior teams. The great, great warrior teams that like broke the game offensively. That are like the standard bellwether to everything we want. They were a 116.7. The Kings are in 16-17. The Kings are three points per 100 possessions better than those Warriors teams. That's that's where offense has gone in this league. It's crazy. The Warriors and the Rockets were one. The Rockets under Harden were a 115 the next year. And then the 18-19 Warriors, which is probably the greatest collection of offensive talent in the history of the game, were a 116.6 offensive rating. And the Sacramento Kings, 116.6. And the Sacramento Kings are a 119.7. Denver's next at 119.0. The reason that Denver, that I think you could beat Denver is they're terrible defensively. They're 19th. Well, the Kings are worse. They're 25th. They're worse. Both of them defensive rebound really well, though, which just seems to be the one thing you have to do in the NBA right now is defensive rebound. Boston was the number one defensive rebound team in the league, and Walker Kessler dominated them. They didn't have Robert Williams and Al Al Horford, in fairness, but still, he did. So when I look at Sacramento and I start to look at this, and then let's add into the final piece of this puzzle. We have simply just never had a season in the history of the game without a dominant team like this. So Cleveland right now is a plus 6.1. Boston's a plus 5.9. Memphis is a plus 5.2. I just told you why I don't believe, and there's all sorts of other reasons. Philadelphia is a plus 5.0, Milwaukee's a plus 4.5, and then Denver's a plus 4.1. We've never had a year in which the team that is going to win the league is below a 5.0. Golden State last year was a 5.2, Utah was a 7.0, Memphis was a 6.2, Phoenix was an 8.5, and Golden State surprised everyone and got through at a 5.2. Phoenix was a plus 6.2 in 2021. The Lakers in the year out of the bubble were a plus 5.8. Even years in which teams, the only team you can find is the 17-18 Cleveland Cavaliers who basically took the year off and then under LeBron made the playoffs. You almost can't find teams that are under six. The Raptor, the Toronto was a 6.1 and the Warriors were an 8.0 in that finals. Boston was a 7.5, Warriors were a 5.2 last year. Phoenix was an 8.6. The Bucks were a 5.0. The Warriors were 7.2. Cleveland was the exception. 16-17, the Warriors were 13. 
Cleveland was a 4.4. So LeBron's teams, 15-16, the Warriors were a 12. Cleveland was a 7. Differential. We have a situation where we don't have, other than Memphis, there's not a team in the West that's over 5. To me, that just says it's wide open. And so Sacramento, with an offense this good and this powerful, should be legit. Sacramento, in the clutch, offensively, is averaging a 130 offensive rating. That's when the game slows down, gets into the half court. They're a 130 offensive rating. They're a 120 for the season. They're a, their half court offense is the best half court offense at 104.5 since Brooklyn's master team. Second best in NBA history. Seems all pretty legit to me. And not in a fluky offensive rebound, excessive transition Wait, they are in transition, the fourth most of any team in the league. They'll have to slow down. Fine, they're better than everyone in the half court when everyone else has to slow down too. It's pretty interesting. It is time now for our Nissan Aria Electric Player of the Weekend. This is a tough call today, actually. Because our Nissan Electric Player of the Game the other day was Taylor Horton Tucker for his incredible work last week. He makes the big play last night or on Saturday night. But I think the answer has to be, I don't know, is it Ochai Abaji or is it Walker Kessler? It's one of the rookies. Is your Nissan electric player of the weekend? I'm going to go with Walker Kessler. I thought that was the most dominating performance of the season by Walker. He was brilliantly fierce. Fiercely elegant, stunningly powerful on the young body, uh, as is the same characteristics all fall for the 2023 Nissan Aria, which packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one EV, the all new, all electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. What crazy things do they have up their sleeve for us now over at Built Bar? The mint brownie puff is still available for you. Flavor so fresh, it slaps your taste buds with the incredible macros. That one's 117 grams of protein, 140 calories, just 6 grams of sugar. The brownie batter puff is now gluten-free. The coconut marshmallow puff there for you as well. You can also now head over to Sam's Club and pick up your a big pack or head over to your local Walmart store and get your built. So keep an eye out for built uh, at all of these various locations. Still can go to built.com. Use the program code locked on. They also have the new hot cocoa bites. Cozy up your taste buds with the new hot cocoa bites. Just limited release. Sounds fabulous. All available for you at built.com. Promo code locked 15 still works as well. A lot of things on this day. I've jammed a lot into it. I hope you've uh, taken it. I think that zone and the offense, and the, that was like five shows worth of stuff that I just threw into one. So I hope that uh, made some sense for you. Uh, should be a fun one tonight. Uh, tickets are available at utahjazz.com. Kings are really good. Jazz are sitting in 11th, uh, really virtually tied with the Wolves and the Lakers. Better news on Anthony Edwards. He's out of his walking boot, but we'll see when he comes back there. The the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to have a hard time winning games without Anthony Edwards. Without D'Angelo Russell and without Carl Anthony Towns, Russell traded Towns out. They just don't have enough scoring. That was obvious the other night in Toronto. 
Here's what they have coming up. They have the Knicks tonight. They are home against Atlanta on Wednesday. They're at Golden State on Sunday. They're at Sacramento on Monday. They're at Phoenix on Wednesday. Quite honestly, if Anthony Edwards doesn't come back, they could lose all five of those games. At New York, home against Atlanta, who did lose to San Antonio yesterday. At Golden State, at Sacramento, at Phoenix. They then come back, and you would think maybe Anthony Edwards is, I mean, that's a long time. That's that's another 11 days from now for Anthony Edwards not to play. So I'm assuming he'll come back somewhere in that. They have lost five of their last six, by the way. They got a nice win against Atlanta in the middle there. Um, but so they're, it's really interesting to watch Minnesota. Obviously, we have the draft pick. They then come home to play the Lakers, the Blazers, who are not going to win another game. Then they're at Brooklyn, at San Antonio, and New Orleans to close it out. So they should win their final five. Um, but unless they're like emotionally broken from having lost seven straight. So interesting to watch, obviously, with their draft pick, obviously with playoff positioning um, and the rest. The Pelicans, by the way, who are kind of hovering behind the Jazz still in the playoff picture and got a nice win. Their only wins recently, though, are against Houston, Portland, Portland. Uh, they did beat Dallas. Um, they're just, the Pelicans have just, they were 26-17. and 17. Since then, they are 8-20. and 20. But they have back-to-back wins here this week against the Spurs and the Hornets before going to the Clippers, the Blazers, the Warriors, and the Nuggets. And then closing at home against the Clippers, Kings, Grizzlies, Knicks before their final game of the year, the Timberwolves. So that's an interesting one. I think the Pelicans win their next two. They get revitalized a little bit by the Houston, San Antonio, Charlotte run, and then they go on that road trip ahead. Um, the Lakers say they're getting LeBron back at some point here. The Lakers are sitting ahead of the Jazz um, in the playoffs, and they they have Phoenix, Oklahoma City, and Chicago at home before going on the road for Chicago, Minnesota, Houston, Utah, Clippers. So they've got a three-game homestand. They should probably beat all, win all these games. They don't play till Wednesday. Phoenix, Oklahoma City, and Chicago before then getting another four days off before going on the road to Chicago, Minnesota, Houston, Utah. Clippers is really a home game for them. Um, and then they wrap it up with us and Phoenix this season. All right, let's do our quickly our Trends Monday and our lottery. Um, I guess I should probably quickly look at the Thunder just first of all, kind of have an idea. I mean, Minnesota's the big one to watch, and the Pelicans have to win the next two. The, the Thunder have Clippers, Clippers back-to-back in L.A., and then the Lakers. So they're in L.A. for like the whole week. They then go up to Portland, who is not going to win another game. And then they come home for some softies. Charlotte, Detroit, they go to Indiana. If, if they can go get two, one or two of these games in L.A., they should win three straight, four straight in the middle there. Portland, Charlotte, Detroit, Indiana. Before closing with Phoenix at Golden State, at Utah, and Memphis. Um, so the, we'll keep an eye on that. So it's all, I mean, it's all jumbled. It's too hard to really track each game, how it's going to play, what's going to happen. It's pretty great. Um, and certainly very entertaining. All right, Trends Monday. <coughs> Last 10 games. Number one offense in the game is the Philadelphia 76ers by seven points over anyone else. The Sixers are really unstoppable right now. 129 offensive rating. Then Sacramento to 122. Then Milwaukee, 120. Indiana's fourth. Miami's got the fifth best offense over the last 10 games, and Chicago is sixth. Teams that can't score right now, Charlotte, Detroit, Portland, Brooklyn, San Antonio, and Minnesota. Mike Conley has not given them a bounce offensively. Uh, they are 111.6 offensive team. They've been bad here since the trade deadline. We're next at 24th, by the way. All right, defensively, teams are defending right now. 
Cleveland's the best defensive team in the league the last 10, followed by the Lakers, then Brooklyn, then the Thunder, then the Celtics, and then the Hornets, to their credit. Teams that are not defending at all, Pacers, Blazers, Atlanta, Miami, Orlando, and Sacramento. Sacramento in there as well. Denver uh, is still in that bunch. Overall, top 10 teams recently, Philadelphia's one, Cleveland's two, Sacramento's three, New York's four, Chicago five, and Milwaukee six, and no surprise, Portland's the worst team in the league, Charlotte, Detroit, Washington, Orlando. And actually, the Jazz are 25th in differential over the last 10 games, um, which is not, it's you know, our roster is pretty limited for minutes, and we're still pulling off wins. It's pretty remarkable. All right, over the uh, recent trends, let's go the short term, which is the last two weeks, and see what you see. Um, rather than the last 10 games, we take a look at that as our final thing. The top offenses are Philadelphia, Indiana, Sacramento, Chicago, Toronto, Miami, and Utah. So over the last two weeks, our offense suddenly is the seventh best offense in the NBA. Teams that aren't scoring at all, same group. Charlotte, Portland, Detroit, Minnesota, Dallas, without Luka and Kyrie for a lot of it, and Brooklyn. Defenses that are playing right now, Lakers number one, Memphis two, Clippers three, that's interesting. Cleveland four, Chicago five, Oklahoma City six. Teams that are not defending, Indiana, Golden State, Washington, Portland, Atlanta, Denver, and Houston over the last two weeks. And the hottest team in the NBA, Philadelphia, plus 17, won seven straight. Chicago playing well. Sacramento, Cleveland, the Clippers, and Memphis. Teams not. Portland, Washington, Detroit, Charlotte, Houston, and Golden State, and Minnesota. So some interesting things there in our trends. All right, let's wrap it up with our daily play of the lottery. The Jazz currently sit with the 11th and 12th picks in the NBA draft. Both of those in the lottery. So if the draft were to start today, the Jazz would have a... 14% chance of a top four pick and a 3% chance of the number one pick. Ready, set, go. Lottery simulating. The number one pick of the draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Number two to the Portland Trailblazers, who've lost six straight and make it worthwhile. Charlotte gets the third pick of the draft. Orlando four. Houston slides three spots to fifth. San Antonio slides three spots to sixth. Then we go... In order, Washington 7, Indiana 8, Orlando on Chicago's pick at 9, so Orlando would get 4 and 9, New Orleans at 10, the Jazz at 11 and 12, they don't move, Toronto at 13, Lakers at 14, getting the New Orleans pick, and then we've slipped to 29th with Philadelphia. So if the draft were today on this lottery, Jazz would be 12th, 13th, 11th, 12th, and 29th. That is Locked on Jazz Day. Let's have some fun against the Kings tonight. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Hope everyone is well. Had a great weekend. Congratulations to those college teams that are still playing. And let's see if the Jazz can wow us again tonight with another highly entertaining night. Ron and I will be on the floor at 445 or thereabouts at DLock09 on Instagram and we'll tip it off at 7 against the Kings. Have a great one. Thanks for tuning in. It is Locked On Podcast Network. I only created it. I just can't say it. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.